I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. Welcome to another episode of Coffee to Bible and Page. I am your host with my coffee in my Mickey Mouse cup. God knows I love coffee. When he bended the coffee bean, it was a good thing. It was a good day. Well, today we're going to be continuing our story in Abraham's family. Today we're going to be looking at uh, a very... To me, for a lot of years, very puzzling episode in Abraham's life uh, where God asked him to sacrifice Isaac. Let's get into that. That's an interesting story. And uh, I think God gave me some kind of resolution for it. Mm. Let's look at chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. What? Didn't God promise Abraham that it was going to be through Isaac? That his descendants would become like sand on the seashore and stars in the sky? And now he's saying, oh, I want you, by the way, I want you to go sacrifice your son. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. All right, stop a second right there. Three days. What was, I I would love to know what Abraham was thinking during those three days about what he was being asked by God to do. Um, It must have been a very difficult trip for him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, I don't know if he thought he was just lying to his servants Or this is just another sample of his faith. Because God had told me to go sacrifice his son. But he just tells the servants, we're going to worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? 
Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, a couple things. One thing occurs to me. Uh, Isaac was a teenager by this time, a strong young man. And his father was an elderly man, over 100 years old. Isaac, I believe, could have easily overpowered his father. But Isaac obeyed his father. Even such an outlandish thing like this. I, I'm not sure if this was considered cult, a cultural norm that sometimes people did this in that culture. I don't know. I don't know if the nations around or the cultures around Abraham practiced sacrificing children. I don't understand that. But for just from a father's perspective, this is an amazing story for me. I don't get it. <laughs> Be honest. Um, then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Mm. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All right. This was an incredible event to me. Um, I, I wrote down some thoughts I got from some commentaries, and I, I think there's some insight here. Although unlike Abraham, we know that this was a test, we are as much in the dark about the intention of God's ways as Abraham was. True that. Noteworthy is the way the narrative excessively and deliberately details Abraham's preparation for the journey and the journey itself. Without explicit commentary, we are left to ponder the thoughts of Abraham as he so, apparently, matter-of-factly carried out God's directions. When at last someone in the narrative speaks, it's Isaac, not God. Who breaks the silence, and the question he raises serves only to heighten the anguish of the Lord's request. Father, where's the sacrifice? When Abraham finally speaks, his reply to Isaac's question anticipates precisely the final outcome of the story, the Lord will provide. Abraham's word casts a new light on his silence. Amid the anguish that can be read into his silence emerges a confidence in the Lord who will provide. Abraham's words are not merely an attempt to calm a curious Isaac, but are a settled expression of his trust in God. 
Few narratives can equal the dramatic tension of the last moments before God interrupts the action and calls the test to a halt. Abraham's every action is described in exaggerated detail. At the last dramatic moment, the Lord intervened and as Abraham had already anticipated, provided a substitute. Abraham therefore named the altar he had built, the Lord will provide. All right. Now we get into the meat of it. And I think this is this is brought up a very curious question. You'll see it in a second. It is not only his son that he's putting on the sacrificial altar. It appears to be the covenant and its promises as well. God had made a covenant with Abraham. God had made a promise to Abraham that through Isaac, his descendants would become like the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. So on that sacrificial altar was not just a son, but it was the promise of God that was being put to the test here. God had promised him, Isaac, it'd be through Isaac. It wasn't like God was going to say, kill your son, I'll give you another one, we'll start over. No, God had told him it's going to be through Isaac. So on that altar was being sacrificed, not just, not just his son, but the very promise of God. Hmm. Isaac is a gift who embodies God's promise of blessing land and nationhood. The test is one of obedience and trust. In essence, it's a test of Abraham's relationship with Yahweh. It's not a test of anything but how much does Abraham, how much trust does Abraham put in God? Not in God's promise, but in God himself. The test is one of obedience and trust. In essence, it's a test of Abraham's relationship with Yahweh. It asks, and here it is, it asks whether Abraham's trust is really in God and not simply in what God has promised. Has Abraham's faith been motivated by personal gain or simply by his love for God? Up until this point, one doesn't know which is true. Maybe him, Abraham himself doesn't know which for sure. This test allows a patriarch to demonstrate to himself to Isaac, to the world, but most of all to God, that his faith is not driven by what he will receive out of it, but by his commitment to God. God and God alone motivates his faith. He's willing to give up all he stands to gain, all he loves and all he hopes for. This is an important question. Sometimes we learn and study and then we're tested. Other times we're tested and we learn from that. And from that testing we learn. Abraham learned from this test how deep his faith in God truly was. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Sometime later, Abraham was told, Milcah is also a mother. She has borne sons to your brother Nahor. This is back where you know, home where he came from. Oz the firstborn, Boaz's brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Kesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. She's going to play a part in Isaac's life. Milcah bore these eight sons to Abraham's brother Nahor. His concubine, whose name was Ruma, also had sons Teba, Gam, Tash, and Mekah. All right, here's the question that came to my mind. And, th- and w- the minute I thought about this question, I thought it bordered on blasphemy, to be honest. But here's my question. Um, 
Do I believe in God or do I believe in his promises? Do I place my faith in his promises over my faith in God, is my relationship with God? And I'm thinking, but aren't they one and the same? The example that came to mind was a verse in Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now that verse, as it stands by itself, seems to be a universal thing. I can do all, meaning everything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have met Christians who place so much faith in that promise that they attempt to do things that are wildly audacious and wildly sometimes inappropriate. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I if I put all my faith in that promise and made that promise the linchpin of my life, then you would see me doing things like trying to crawl, climb Mount Everest or um, trying to surf a 100-foot wave or trying to run a marathon or uh, trying to win the lottery. You know, it, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means all. And I met people who believe that promise to the such an extent that they won't listen to God. They're putting that promise over the personhood of God. Yes, Paul Wright wrote that. But our relationship with God is such that if you're in right relationship with him, he will temper everything with wisdom and advice. Yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you know what? I'm not going to try to climb Mount Everest. I'm not going to try to surf that 100-foot wave. I'm not going to waste my money chasing down a lottery. Because in truth, and again, this might sound blasphemous, but I, I really want to put this out there. In truth, wisdom comes from God, and we should be pursuing a relationship with God, not his promises. Ugh. See, that sounds weird, doesn't it? But in Abraham's case, he had been promised by God that it was going to be through Isaac that God's covenant will be fulfilled. And then God tells him to sacrifice Isaac. So what was Abraham to do? Was he to obey God and do what he said and prepare to sacrifice Isaac, preparing to go all the way and kill his son, was he prepared to do that in obedience to God? Or would he just put his foot down and say, no, you told me Isaac was the future of my family. I will not do this. What's he going to do? Is he going to believe God's promise or is he going to believe God? Do you see Do you see the dilemma here? Now, granted, this was a test for Abraham. We get that. But the question that comes up is sometimes we place more faith in the promises we read than we do in our relationship with God. Just something to think about. It is more important to me to know God. And yes, his, his promises are an extension of who he is. I get that. But sometimes we can put more, 
we give more credence to a promise that we read in the Bible than we do in pursuing relationship with him. For instance, uh, I gave you the, the example of First uh, Corinthians, I mean, uh, Philippians 4.13. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There, um, in my life, God has promised me things. And I've read things in the scripture that I thought were just absolutely um, special words from God to me. And I could have gone, gone completely off the rails by slavishly hanging on to a promise from the scripture. But I didn't. Because I pursued a relationship with God. And I'm firmly of the opinion that if God grants a promise, if you hear a promise from him, if it's truly from him, it will come to pass. It doesn't matter when. God promised me ministry when I was saved in 1975. I eventually quit pursuing ministry because I obviously didn't know what that meant, but it was a promise given to me by the God of this universe, and I heard it as plain as I would hear my wife talking to me. But I finally had to realize that I didn't know what that meant, and I put it aside, and I pursued God, not his promise. I pursued relationship with him. And as faulty as my relationship with him is, eventually that promise was fulfilled in my life. I am in a ministry. I'm doing what God called me to do. I'm being what God called me to be. I'm in the ministry. I could have wrecked my family life I could have wrecked my relationship with my wife and my children if I had taken that promise from God and chased after it in the wrong way. Because see, I used to think ministry meant I was going to be a pastor or a worship pastor. I'm thoroughly unequipped to be either because that's not what God made me for. But I could have chased that promise in a total, complete way wrong direction and destroyed everything in my life. I know that now. If Abraham, and I hate to do this if then type things because it didn't happen that way, but if Abraham had refused God and said, no, I will not sacrifice Isaac. I will not take him to Mount Moriah. I will not put him on an altar. You told me it was going to be through Isaac. So that's the way it is. I wonder what would have happened? In this story of Abraham, I think Abraham learned more about himself because God knew how this was going to end because he's God. Abraham was tested and he learned from that test. Like I said here, sometimes we learn and study and then are tested. You know, a test is coming, you prepare for it and you learn the right answers. But other times we're tested and from that testing, we learn. I think Abraham discovered the depth of his relationship with God through this test. I don't know. It's a curious incident that, uh, that still puzzles me. And I'm not exactly sure uh, 
if I'm pulling the right lessons out of it, but that's what I'm getting. That sometimes we can place so much trust in a promise that we quit looking to God. I need to flesh that out some more. I need to work that out more in my brain. But for that, ladles and jelly spoons, I am out of here. Here's my coffee on page. And we are gone. Have a great day. God bless you. Bye-bye. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.